0: you'd think that after years of evil doctor medical school a little thing like inflation wouldn't ruin your plans but that's where dr evil found himself with a stolen nuclear warhead in hand he presented his threat to the leaders of the world only to be laughed at because one million dollar ransoms don't carry the same weight in 1997 that they did in the 60s. To save face, Dr. Evil quickly pivots, and without that same menacing confidence states that the ransom is now $100 billion. He then abruptly hangs up. You see, Dr. Evil had frozen himself to escape his nemesis, a super spy by the name of Austin Powers. And once he thought out, he found the world to be quite a bit different. And despite the changes to the value of the dollar, the legitimate business that was now used to cover his evil empire, an introduction to his son produced through science, or the new hairless nature of his cat, Mr. Bigglesworth, there was one thing that remained unchanged his desperate desire for sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. I'm Kelly, and this is Through the Lens. While I could probably spend about five episodes on the Austin Powers film franchise, today we're just going to talk about one thing, those sharks with laser beams attached to their heads. More specifically, the damage that the lasers could cause. Laser damage is a major concern in the optics industry, but how can we begin to mitigate it? Today we'll discuss the substrates and optical coatings used to combat the damage caused by lasers, whether or not they're attached to sharks. Let's go to Dan.
1: Laser damage threshold or laser induced damage threshold is one of the most critical specifications to an optical engineer or systems integrator when considering introducing an optical component into a laser-based application. The type of damage caused to an optical component by laser beam is depends on multiple variables, including its wavelength, the lasers, pulse length, polarization, pulse repetition rate, and other dimensional characteristics, to name only a few. So if you're unfamiliar with laser damage coding specifications, you're probably wondering, why is this important? If you think of how powerful a laser can be to cut through materials such as steel, it's easy to imagine that they they can easily destroy delicate optics and thin film coatings. If laser damage does occur, there are instances where the entire optical platform, including the laser system, can be greatly diminished efficiency-wise or damaged beyond functional repair. So with this criticality of the substrate and coating in mind, it's important to understand the two different testing methods optical designers specify when designing systems. Third-party laser damage testing houses utilize ISO 11254 damage standard, which which ensures a testing methodology that fairly tests all samples using the same regiment. In testing laser damage, there are two methodologies to keep in mind. The first methodology is a threshold testing. Threshold testing is more of a measured methodology to laser testing. The aim of this testing methodology is to examine the amount of power the coatings can tolerate without damage to the optical substrate or coating itself. In a threshold testing scenario, the laser power is increased systematically until damage occurs to the optic or the coating. Certification testing methodology is more of a qualified approach to laser damage testing. A predetermined power level is deployed and if the coating survives this exposure, the survival of the coating ensures safe operation levels while using the coated optic in your application.
0: It's time for a sidebar. We obviously can't do an episode about lasers without talking about laser tag. You and I would both be disappointed if we did that. Developed in the 1970s as a way to train military personnel in battle maneuvers, laser tag was developed by using infrared-emitting light guns and infrared-sensitive signaling devices that would let you know if you'd been hit by the beam. The toy industry wanted a way to adapt this technology for civilian use, and thus the game as we know it was born. There are several types of games, from capture the flag to elimination matches and even battle royales. Oftentimes these games are played in dark arenas full of glow-in-the-dark decoration and are housed in entertainment centers that cater to older children and teens. I can still almost smell the cheap, greasy pizza and feel my sneakers sticking to the soda-soaked floor as I run, duck, and dive, all while trying to hit my friends with a small infrared beam. What I wouldn't give for a game of laser tag right now. Back to the show.
1: Of course, the coating requirements for laser damage threshold requirements are critical, but with most applications, the coating applied to the substrate is only as good as the material it's applied to. When choosing a substrate for an application that requires the substrate to be exposed to potentially damaging laser pulses, it's important to keep a a few items in mind. Several surface properties can have an impact on laser damage threshold. The most obvious is cosmetic defects, such as digs and scratches either left over from the polishing process or generated during handling. These defects can initiate laser damage by locally enhancing the electromagnetic field or by acting as absorption centers. An optimized polishing process can produce laser-grade surfaces with far to no defects, according to the standard mill spec inspection procedures, MIL-PRF-13830B is a good example. State-of-the-art polishing techniques can result in surfaces where defects are hard to detect even with sensitive optical methods. Subsurface damage from polishing processes can similarly lead to lower laser damage threshold. Subsurface damage originates from the polishing process as larger size polishing particles are used in the initial shaping of the substrate surface. This process step can lead to fractures propagating in the substrate surface. The subsequent polishing with finer and finer polishing particles is designed to remove the damage from the previous step. However, it's hard to say directly observe subsurface damage making it hard to ensure that the final optic is free of it. Surface micro roughness is another factor that can influence laser damage threshold. A roughened surface can result in local EMI field enhancement which reduces the laser damage threshold. The roughness is typically measured using a phase-sensing Nomarski microscope setup or with a small aperture white light interferometer. Typically, polishing processes will result in a surface roughness on standard substrate materials such as fused silica, NBK7, and other materials in the 5-10 to Angstrom's RMS range. A super polish process can further be applied to get the surface roughness down below one angstrom RMS. Surface contamination can also influence laser damage threshold. Contaminants might originate from residues from the polishing process or from storage and cleaning processes, as well as from shipping. The optic undergoes, before coating, many different phases. Some substrate materials have intrinsic properties that contribute to surface contamination, such as being hydroscopic or porous. In addition to substrate surface properties, bulk properties of the substrate can also limit the laser damage threshold of the optic. Most high power laser applications use fused silica substrates with very low or no bulk absorption, inclusions or defects. Some crystal materials and other optical silica glasses, for example doped phosphate glasses and high index glass materials, can have non-negligible or no absorption losses and bulk material defects. Bulk properties in the glass, such as voids, inclusions, scratches, can limit the obtainable quality of the polished surface. Basically, if you're starting with a rough surface, no matter how well you polish it, it may not be good enough. In most cases, the bulk properties are mainly important for applications where the light passes through the optical coating and is not reflected off of it. This would be the example of an anti reflective or dichroic filter coated window.
0: Hey through the lens listeners, are you in an optical bind with delayed response and long lead times? Well, why haven't you called NACL yet? The technical experts at North American Coding Laboratories are ready to help with your optical coding project. With over 46 years of optical experience, you can rest assured that your optics are in the best hands. From the UV to IR and dip applied to DLC, we've got you coded. Connect with the experts at NACL.com, that's NACL.com, today.
1: understanding the laser damage threshold of coated optics is not a very straightforward thing. Although there's a ton of science involved in creating these coatings, when it comes to selecting the right requirements, that's not an exact science. The process involves many variables that are hard to control. Because there are so many variables, we try to follow a basic list of standard rules to confirm with when selecting optics. In the case of metallic coatings, These coatings exhibit dual performance when it comes to laser damage threshold. They withstand a tremendous amount of energy and can quickly exhibit total marked damage when they fail. In the example of multi-layer or dielectric coatings, these generally have a failure rate that reveals itself more slowly compared to metallic coatings. The damage begins slowly, but as the power of the laser ramps up, so too does the probability of damage to a multi-layer coating. It's interesting that there is a linear correlation between coding failure occurrence by wavelength increase. Essentially, the higher damage thresholds have been seen for pulse lasers at longer wavelengths. Laser damage threshold may have a dependence on the energy gap between the energy levels with larger gap bands displaying higher laser damage thresholds. However, this trend changes when non-linear optical effects start to manifest in the bulk optical substrate of primary concern is pre-coating surface prep. This is extremely important because laser damage threshold is very dependent on the composition of the materials involved in the optics manufacturing process. Things such, even things such as small manufacturing changes like exposure to atmosphere can significantly affect an optics laser damage threshold. It's common for silica or other silica-based substrates to be coated within a clean room using technologies such as E-beam or electronic beam, ion-assisted deposition, plasma assist, sputtering, magnetron sputtering, or oxidization enhancement. Other processes include CBD chemical vapor deposition or atomic layer deposition ALD. No matter what your application calls for, we'd be happy to discuss your requirements and see if we can't assist you in this very challenging field.
0: It may have taken three movies, but Dr. Evil eventually got his laser beam enhanced sharks. They were a gift from his son, who up until this point had been somewhat disinterested in his father's work. And while Dr. Evil delighted in seeing his new pets hit nameless henchmen with their head-mounted heat cannons, when Austin Powers arrived to save the day as well as his dad, Dr. Evil finds himself hesitating. We then learn the shocking truth. Dr. Evil is really Austin Powers' younger brother, Doug. This revelation may have shifted Dr. Evil's, or should I say Doug's perspective, but his evil co-conspirators didn't quite agree. In the end, Doug joined his brother, Austin Powers, and found a groovy way to save the day. Thanks for taking a look through the lens. At laser damage thresholds and coatings. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun to research. If you have further questions about laser damage, you can always reach out to the experts at nacl.com. See you next time through the lens.